the Jericho Network on Westwood One. Welcome to One on One with Mitch LaFawn. Joining me on this episode from the band Tigers of Pantang. It is guitarist Rob Weir. We talk about the band's new album called, of course, Tigers of Pantang. It is absolutely fabulous, by the way, one of the best of 2016. We look back at the band's illustrious career. We answer questions such as, why didn't you break big in the United States? Look back at Neat Records' new wave of British heavy metal and talk about new singer Jacopo Miele, who, by the way, is absolutely fantastic. Before checking all of this out, please check me out on Twitter, at Mitch Lafon, Instagram, at Mitch underscore Lafon. One-on-one at Mitch LaFon on Facebook and paypal.me forward slash Mitch LaFon should you care to support the podcast. And with that, here is the one, the only, the very, very affable guitarist Rob Weir. We are speaking with Rob Weir of Tigers of Pantang. The new album is called Tigers of Pantang, and I must say it is absolutely fantastic. One of the best albums of 2016, easily. Rob, a great, great pleasure to speak with you. Thank you very much indeed, sir. I, I have been looking forward to um, talking with you and um, hopefully answering your questions uh, in a, an appropriate and uh, adequate manner. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so let's just start, uh, you know, with the new record. Um, talk yep. to me about getting it together and, you know, with Jacopo as the, on vocals in there. Just tell me about getting it together and what, what were you trying to do with it? Okay, um, since uh, uh, since we did Animal Instinct, uh, no, so I beg your pardon. Since we did uh, Ambush, um, it's it's a, it's a continual process. Although we only produce albums every four years, um, or it seems to be that way. I think I think the next album will be a lot quicker, but we can go into that in in a few minutes' time. Um, circumstances have prevailed where where it has been uh, 2008, 2012, 2016 for, for album releases. Um, and uh, as soon as our, uh, Ambush was finished, we, um, we went out and, of course, and toured it and did shows. And um, th- there's always a constant songwriting proce- process going on in the background, as, as you would kind of expect um, a- a- and hope. And indeed, um, there were some songs um, that didn't make Ambush, um, which, which, which were very good, I have to say, um, and, and I have to say, none of those songs are on this... Uh, no, there's one. There's one. There's one. Um, the Reason Why, which is a ballad which, uh, which I wrote um, for uh, Ambush. But um, it, it was deemed uh, amongst us that it wasn't quite right uh, at the time. Um, and um, there was um, a member of the band who's not with us anymore who wasn't sure about it. Um, so uh, it, it was left um, put on the you know uh, put put in in, in my uh, in my little storage drawer of um, songs to be looked at again uh, or or maybe redeveloped or whatever. Um, I, I, I would you know um, lock myself away um, metaphorically in my uh, studio at home uh, and um, I, I never sit down uh, with the intention to write a song. Never ever ever. And and indeed I don't think I could write a song if I actually. Um, said to myself, right, um, you know, you've got an hour, you've got a couple of hours, um, here's a guitar, here's a ramp, right, uh, let's, let's see what we can write. I, I don't think it would happen. Um, what, what does, um, thankfully and magically happen 
is I'll take myself off upstairs um, to my studio. I'll say to my wife, I'm just going upstairs for a, for a little a little play of uh, play the guitar, you know, exercise my fingers because uh, I'm not getting any younger. Um, and uh, I, I was I was plug in and play through my studio in in case you know something happens and I've just press the record button and you know I, I've I've got it there to to, to look back on. Um, and um, something without a word of alignment, something happens every, every time I go. And I don't do, I don't I don't um, play every day for, for goodness sake. Um, and fortunately, life just doesn't uh, doesn't decree decree that um, uh, that luxury. Um, I, you know, I, I'm I'm lucky if I can play every two or three days, uh, maybe even longer than that. Uh, but luckily and thankfully, um, something jumps out of my, and, and this, this is how I describe it. Something jumps out of my fingers, um, and, I, and I kind of my brain kind of says to, uh, to itself, or one side talks to the other side, um, and says, uh, that, "That's that's quite dying. Is that that's all right?" Because the big question that we always ask ourselves when we're uh, songwriting is, uh, "Is this a tiger song?" Um, and, and, and that, that is the ultimate question, which we have to answer, uh, with, you know, five, uh, five posi- positive yeses. And, and then we know we're on the right track. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe record something. Um, if, if, if there's time, I'll, I'll put down the other guitar part, um, or what I think to be the other guitar part. Um, I'll, I'll put the bass down, uh, you know, I'll, I'll program the drum machine uh, pretty poorly, I have to say, but it's enough to, to get the, the gist of things. Um, if it needs keyboards, you know, I'll put some amateur keyboards on, uh, a guitar solo where I think it needs, where I think it should be, just to give a, a, a primitive picture to, to the other boys when I send it out as, as to how, uh, how I'm sort of seeing it. But you know what? I never finish a song. Never, ever finish a song off. And I do that on purpose because... If you send out, and I've seen this happen with, 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 other, with other artists and other bands, if you send out a complete finished song, then there's, there's nowhere for, 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 the, for the other boys to put their magic on it and to put their, you know, to put their, well, you know, maybe I think we should do this with it. Now, thankfully, all, all, all the Tiger Boys are all fantastic songwriters. Um, Craig, our drummer, writes the most amazing pop melodies, um, Jack is a great lyricist. Um, Craig is a great lyricist as well. Uh, Mick, who, who I say is the new boy, although he's been in the band three years, uh, Mick um, has probably come up with more on the new album than I have. Um, he's, he's, he's listened to the way that the, the, the Tiger songs over the years have been structured and, and uh, you know, uh, how things have kind of turned out. And he's really, really honed in on that and, and really got it. Um, and uh, Gareth, um, the bass player, is, is an amazing arranger. He'll hear a song and he'll say, "Oh, I, I, that needs two verses there, and we'll take the chorus out, and we'll do this, and the middle eight needs to be there, and, and this is what we'll do for the end." And it just—it's—it's it, it's an amazing family stroke team effort because the Tigers very much is a, is a family and it's run like a family um, and every everybody has their has their titles with the, within the family um, of, of which I'm sure if you press me I I shall tell you our topical titles um, but uh, so um, going back to your original question I'm sorry I do, I do like to, uh, to to get on my horse and, and, and ride off into the sunset and then come back again to answer a question um, 
the, the uh, we were traveling down to a um, a festival last year uh, in a hired vehicle, um, and we had we were reviewing fifty three song ideas, um, which we had up to that point um, to whittle down to about twenty, um, and then when we got it down to twenty. Um, you know, everybody else started pouring in more ideas. So it went back up to about 40 again. Um, and then back down to about 15 and then finally down to uh, 12, I think. Um, and there are 10, uh, self penned tracks in the album and a cover version, which, um, I was very keen on doing. Um, I got the music in me by Kiki D from 1974. Um, but there are two further tracks which were, t- were, were originally going to be on the album um, and at the record company's um, request were taken off um, and going to the, the, one of them has been used as the B-side of the first single um, and the other one, of course, which the world hasn't heard yet, uh, will be used, I presume, as the B-side um, for um, the, the, the next uh, single that's going to maybe come off the album. And that's interesting. So that's, that's it's interesting that you mentioned yeah, that you wanted to do a, a covers uh, on this one because uh, going back to the MCA days when you had Love Potion Number yeah. Nine, they had come to you and said, "We need you to do another cover," and you were sort of like, uh, "Why?" Right? Um, you sort of yeah. changed your yeah. you, you changed your stance on on doing covers. No, not at all. Um, no, no, not at all. The, the MCA thing, just just to, to to put that you know completely into uh, uh, in, into its box. Um, well, they came around to to to. to so, all right, let's go back to nineteen eighty. Let, let, let's let, let's start at the beginning. So, okay. I wrote Wildcat. Yes. Uh, I wrote Wildcat. Um, Wildcat was all original compositions, um, and Wildcat ent- entered. When it was released, it entered the national British charts at number thirteen, I think. So, so, so we're talking artists alongside us of the caliber of David Bowie, of Gloria Gaynor, of Earth, Wind, and Fire. We're, we're, to, we're talking all that. So, uh, you know, for for, for, for uh, an unknown new wave of British heavy metal bands, uh, I I think that was pretty damn good, to be to be fair. Um, so, so um, those band changes, um, and, and, as the world knows, you know, um, John Devlin and John Sykes joined the band. Um, we recorded, we wrote and recorded Spellbound. Um, I wrote half a Spellbound. John Sykes wrote the other half. Mu- uh, you know, music-wise, um, you know, John Devlin was 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 heavy in the lyrics. So was Rocky, the bass player, um, and and. That entered the British. We're out on tour, I remember, uh, and we got the chart position when we were playing. Um, I think it was Cardiff, um, Cardiff City Hall, Cardiff, so, so, some kind of big hall. Uh, we were doing quite a big tour, um, and uh, that went to the charts at 18. Okay, so um, where, where where I'm going with this is we were quite capable of writing um, what I thought was pretty damn good uh, rock songs. Um, and getting albums into the charts. Now, MCA, when it came around, so we did Crazy Nights, two albums in one year, uh, which was, um, you know, unheard of by any other artist, but MCA insisted that, that they had another album um, by, you know, it actually came out on November the 5th, 1981, because I remember we played the marquee. We did one show to promote it, uh, which was, you know, the, completely the wrong thing to do. But never mind. Um and then the next year, 82, they, 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 they uh, got a, um, 
a, a um, pop producer who'd never produced um, hard rock music before, uh, and they, they thought this, this was a great idea um, to work with us and uh, produce the fourth album. Um, so we were kind of a guinea pig, really, in this, um, you know, very competitive um, market, you know, with Iron Maiden and Def Leppard and Saxon, um, all kind of, you know, everybody was kind of, you know, jostling for, for, for position um, within the, the, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal sort of um, thing that was happening at the time. And... Um, MCA said, "Well, we'd, we'd like you to record um, these songs by uh, by this by you know by this songwriter and by this songwriter, you know. So John Parr and Steve Thompson, um, and they then came to our management and said, um, uh, we 'We'd like you to uh, have a go at recording Love Potion Number Nine by the Clovers.' So when it was played to me, I kind of laughed and thought, what on earth are we going to do with that? How how are we going to make that anything? It's a it's a it's a, a shuffle." You know, light-hearted, great song, but really, I, could, I just couldn't see it. Anyway, John Sykes and I put ourselves in a room and, and we put it on the record player because we have record players, but well, we've got them now, but not, not as, as um, prolifically as we had back then because that's all we had. Put it on, kind of jammed along to it. I came up with the front bit. Um, John sort of came up with it, with, you know, with, with, with chugging the chords and stuff, and. We came out with what is, of course, now, uh, you know, a chart single, uh, you know, and, and um, a much, much revered song um, from our back catalogue, which um, we have to play every night because, uh, gosh, we're, we're, the crowd doesn't like it if, if, if we don't do it. So that that was in, an, in, in, in a long answer to answer a very short question. Um, that That's... We were getting pressure to play other people's songs, and that really, really went against everything that, that you know that, that I'd kind of stood for with with playing in you know in a band. Um, was you know you, you write where, where possible, where applicable. Um, you write your own songs, and if they're proven, but of course you have to prove them, which we had done because we'd had them albums in charts. You know, we'd had singles in charts. Um, then why play other people's songs? Why are they going to be any better than the songs that you're writing? So, so that was the whole thing behind Love Potion Number Nine. Um, it was it was just a time when um, the, the record company thought thought, hey, and, and maybe they did, maybe they knew better than us, maybe they didn't. I don't know. But that, um, that, that the was case sort of was a... very successful. I mean, that's, that's sort of what record companies did back then. You know, you, you look back at Aerosmith in 1980, remember Walking in the Sand, Kiss, Then She Kissed Me. I mean, that, that, that sort of was what record companies thought would sell. Um, you, you mentioned the record Ambush, which, um, setting up for this interview, I took it out and I've been listening to it nonstop for two weeks. What, what a fantastic, fantastic album. Um, it was produced by uh, uh, Chris Tangredis. Which you had worked with yep, in the, which you had worked with in the early days. Um, talk yep. to me about the early days working with Chris on those on the on Spellbound and um, uh, what was the other one? Wildcat, I believe, right? Yeah, Wildcat, yeah. Um, um, well, he, he's done everybody. Yeah, the, the, I was just gonna say, yeah, for, for those well, who yeah. don't know the name, I mean, he's he's worked with Black Sabbath. He's worked with Canadian band Anvil. Um, Boy, who else? Uh, King Diamond, uh, Loudness, Magnum, uh, just some of the, the bigger names in rock. Judas, right? he, Judas Priest. Oh, he's, he's a Grammy, nomina Aussie. Grammy nomination for Painkiller, Judas Priest. 
Uh, um, thin, thin Lizzy, of it, course, Ozzy Osbourne. So, uh, you know, how was that going back to him yeah. and, and working with him originally? Um, it, it, it was great. It, it, it was like putting on an old T-shirt. Chris, Chris was exactly the same. Um, uh, you know, aura-wise, um, you know, funny-wise. Um, we just got on absolutely tremendous with him. Um, and, and it was... Um, it was it was good to go back and and, and revisit that and um, and and we 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 used the whole team uh, that, that that we used uh, in nineteen eighty for Wildcat and eighty one for Spellbound so so Chris um, Chris engineer, engineered the album I think we we kind of written the songs and sort of produced them ourselves and then brought them to him. So he made a couple of little changes, but nothing of any great magnitude. Um, but the album was, uh, it was mastered by the same guy who mastered in London, <coughs> excuse me, the same guy who mastered um, the first two albums. Um, so, so he did that. Um, uh, we got Rodney Matthews to do the artwork, who did the artwork for Crazy Nights. So it was it was very much gathering you know, like, like, you know, the, the, the original team together, the, the, the old boys together, just to see, you know, what would happen and how it would all fit together and, and, and what kind of a, you know, measure of success we would have with it. Yeah. yeah and, it, and it turned out uh, exceptionally successful in terms of the music that is on there. You look at a song like rock and roll dream. It is, it is fantastic. Um, let, let's look at those first three albums, you know, a few years ago, probably around 2011, I would think, you went back and you did this sort of 30th anniversary sessions of Crazy Nights, Wildcat, and Spellbound. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was it like uh, just going back and re-recording those songs and re-learning them and going over them again? Was there a sense of, wow, we really had something great? Or was there more of a sense of, oof, we need to fix this and we need to fix that? And... Um, I'll just add to that because I've heard those albums; they're great. Will they at some point be re-released or be made available again to the public? Yeah, the, 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 absolutely. And okay. and um, it, it it was great going back. And it was a it was you've 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 kind of got it there. It was a bit of all of those things all all chucked into the same pot. So it was a bit of oh god, the, the, what a great song this was to record. You know, Wildcats um, and, and Mirror. Uh, and you know that that that's, you know that that kind of um, to capture that kind of vibe again. But the real icing on the cake, you know, was um, was was recording um, with today's technology. So so we've got thirty years worth more of sparkly, um, amazing technology to make them so so to make them sound better. Um, some people, of course. You know, if you're old school, say, oh, no, don't touch them. They sound fine the way they are. I, I, I'm, I, I can see things from both sides of the fence. I kind of like to use new technology um, if, it, if, if it makes things better, which I think it has done. And in fact, um, there's, there's one further sessions to do, which, of course, is the cage sessions, which um, we're talking about now. Uh, and um, we, we shall um, get to grips with it probably... Um, gosh, we're so busy next year touring, um, but we, we, we will definitely do it next year. Um, we, we'll, we'll definitely record 
five songs from the cage, I think. Um, and that will be out uh, as an EP um, towards uh, probably the, uh, I will, I would say to don't hold me to this, but I would think the back end of next year. And then the following year, um, I think possibly all four sessions will be compiled onto one double CD. Well, I, 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 I'm all for that. I would think that probably, yeah, I would think that would probably happen. All right, so let's let's look back at some of you know the the history of the band. A lot has gone down. Um, a few years ago, you gave an interview and you were asked to describe the band's career in a word, and you said it was frustration. Um, what was the frustration with Tigers of Pantang? Because you look at Spellbound, you look at uh, working with John Sykes and, and Chris and Wildcat, and you had everything that sh that says to me you should have been as popular as Iron Maiden, and certain things didn't work out. So where did the frustration come from for you? Frustration came for, for me uh, was in uh, 1983, uh, early 83. Um, we, the day before we flew out to Japan in September 82, um, we parted company with our management. Um, and this was um, uh, two fellows, um, one who had originally managed the band from 1978, who was um, a great friend of mine, who not was, who, who, who is, uh, and we'll come on to that, is a great friend of mine. Um, he'd come to see the band in 78. Uh, we had a residency at, at a local club in the seaside, seaside town where we come from. Um, we played every Wednesday night, uh, and it was packed, uh, which was quite unusual, as you'll probably know, for, for a midweek um, sort of gig. Uh, different times, though, I have to say, different times back then. Um, and um, I, I, I just said to him, you know, uh, one night, I said, listen, do, do you fancy helping us out, you know, bringing around and getting us some, you know, s some more shows? And he said, yeah, I can do that. It's no problem. Anyway, that, that, that stemmed from there. So uh, through, through, for, through one reason or another, I, I think our, 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 the management company that we had felt that um, they'd taken us as far as they could to the level of, 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 of where they were. Um, of, of their knowledge and they wanted better for us um, so, so they stepped down um, gave us some some, uh, some contacts um, but we were very five headstrong um, fellas who all thought we knew best um, all had you know the, the usual um, big rock and roll egos um, you know and um, we kind of couldn't agree on anything um, what we did agree on was um, we should um, record um, a demo, uh, a fifth album, because um, we knew the process you know, had to move on. Uh, and we did that, and um, we took it to MCA, and um, we played it to them in the boardroom. And they said, yeah, it's okay. Um, yeah, there's some all right stuff on there, some good stuff on there. Uh, but we'd like you to play these songs. And they just rolled out um, a whole album full of, uh, of songs by, um, you know, American, um, whatever, nationality songwriters. Um, and at that point, the frustrating point at that point was I said, I put my hand up in the boardroom and said, no, we're not, do we're not doing it. I'm not doing it. Um, and everybody kind of, we did agree on that, and everybody kind of uh, took my lead. Um, and um, 
they said, well, you too realize then, uh, you know, you, you, you won't have a record contract. And um, I basically, I, you know, it was me. It was my gob. I basically said, stick your record contract up where the sun doesn't shine because we're not playing other people's songs. We've got a proven track record and we're out of here. And we walked. Now, whether that was a crazy thing to do, a brave thing to do, y- you tell me. But that's, that's the way I felt. Um, and that's just... I've, I've got no problem in doing the odd cover version. I've got no, no, as long as it's absolutely, you know, tip top and right on money. Uh, cause bad cover versions, um, you're in for a hell of a slating by the press. Cause if you, and, and bear me out on this, Mitch. So, so you picked up, you, you picked up the new Tigers album. You picked up the new dead daisies album. And you look on there and you go, okay, they're all new tracks you don't recognize. And you go, oh, hang on a second. I think I recognize that title. I got the music in me. Um, you know, or, or, or the Dead Daisies with the um, sensational Alex Harvey tune. And, and you think, oh, I recognize that. So you put it on your CD player. What's the first track that you tend to play? For me, I'd play the cover and have a listen to it. Because that's what's caught my attention. Because I don't know the other tracks. Obviously, I'm going to get to know them. But the cover version, I have heard before. So I've got something to measure against. So the cover version has got to be all singing and all dancing. And if it isn't, if the cover version's dreadful, then it immediately puts you in a mindset thinking, hmm, the cover version's not so good. So what, 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 what am I going to get with the rest of the stuff? So, uh, you know, I've, I've got no problem in, in, in the odd cover version, but a whole album, 10, 11, 12 tracks written by other songwriters is an absolute no-no. And it's funny because I have, <laughs> I have the Dead Daisies album in front of me, actually. I've got both, of, I've got both albums in front of me, <coughs> yours and the Dead Daisies. Um, yeah. So let me look at this. You know, the new wave of British heavy metal gave us in America, and Canada, of course, being part of North America, uh, Def Leppard and Iron Maiden and a few others, massive, massive success. What happened with the Tigers of Pantang that you couldn't translate to sort of cross-Atlantic success? Where was it? A t- a, a, was it the management again that just couldn't get you over here? Was the music just not radio-friendly enough for 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 over here? Um, you know, talk to I, me about I, I, not no, conquering when, when North America. The, you go ahead. When we recorded the Cage, I think I think the Cage is a lot of songs on the Cage which are extremely radio-friendly. Uh, and it, and it, it was starting to happen a little bit, um, but we needed to come across to the States and, and physically play and, 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 and get on a tour, you know, opening up for whoever. Um, I, I, but that just never, it, it never happens. Um, and the honest answer is, Mitch, I don't know why. I don't know whether it was, whether, whether our management couldn't get that for us. We had a great, we were signed to International Talent Booking in London, in Wardour Street in London, ITB, who had some of the biggest artists in the world. You know, they had Queen, they had Ted Nugent, they had Fleetwood Mac, they had the Scorpions. Um, you know, they, they had, you know, massive, you know, arena acts. And I, I honestly don't know why we didn't come in 82 to the States and um, start uh, and, and, and work on, um, you know, on... That, that continent, but it didn't happen. 
Um, we went out to Japan yeah. in 82 uh, and, conquered, and conquered Japan. Uh, out, the Scorpions were playing in the same town on the same night as us in, in Osaka. Uh, diff- we didn't know. They were playing on, uh, on a, obviously on the other side of town to us, and we outsold them. So we were obviously moving in the right direction, you know, to, 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 to outsell the Scorpions. Um, but uh, it, it, it just didn't happen. And, of course, when we lost our management, uh, when we came back, uh, we went down to London and, you know, we, we, we looked for various people. Um, and it, we thought we found, found, found a company, um, but it, it just, we, we found out various things that we, why, the reasons why we shouldn't sign with them. Um, and then it just fell to bits. How important do you think um, Conquering America would have been to the band's uh, arc or the existence? Do you think that had you gotten to open up for somebody at Madison Square Garden, we would be having a very different conversation today? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, unequivocally. Unequivocally. I can't even say the word. Unequivocally. Une- unequivocally. <laughs> unequivocally. That's easy for you to say. Yes. yes. <laughs> yes. It's one of, those, one of those tongue twisters. I'd probably say it if I was drunk. Um, unequivocally. So there you go. Um, yeah, it, it's absolutely. Uh, that, that's what that word means. It, it would have been, a, yeah, it would would have been completely different. You might have been, we might have been sat on on my patio somewhere having lunch and, and having this conversation, or you um, might have just ignored it, my it, request, it, <laughs> right? <laughs> you would have been too big. I, I never, for I never me. ignored anybody's request. But um, so so let's 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 move on here. So the band, you know, in '83, you're not conquering America. It it. It doesn't happen. The cage came out. It does well. I mean, Love Potion number nine it does very well. But the band says we've had enough, and you break up. A um, couple of years yep. later, John uh, Deverell and Brian Dick form a new version. Uh, when that happened, and you're sitting at home, are you like, "Oh, well, good on them," or are you like, "What the hell are you? What was that?" You know, how was your reaction to that? How happy were you for them, or how completely annoyed were you with them? Well, I, I, to be honest with you, I, I didn't realize. I, I mean, I, I was I was doing um, other music. I was doing. I did two other after the Tigers. I did two further musical projects. Right, Sergeant. Two further albums, like Sergeant. Yep. Yeah. Um, uh, Tiger um, Tiger. Which actually, and the Tiger Tiger thing. Right. Yeah. And and and, and both, both, both on both times uh, we recorded albums, um, which which never came out and, and, and never will come out. Um, How come? Um, uh, look- Sergeant. Why won't they come out? Is it well, just uh, it's t- moments past, or is the music just not good enough, or is it legal stuff where you just can't get the rights to it? Yeah, it, 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 it's 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 legal stuff and and um, yeah, it put, and, and put personal stuff. Yeah. Um, but even though the um, uh, you were doing those other projects, do you did did it annoy you that they were using the name, or was it like, man, it's all right, I got I got my own gig now, so whatever. Yeah, it, well, yes, it, it kind of, I, I didn't realize it was, it was sort of, uh, or, or ignor- ignorantly, I didn't really realize it was sort of happening until um, the first album came out. Um, and um, it, it, it was all sort of over and done with, from what I remember, pretty quickly. Um, they did two kind of quick albums. I think they did a few shows, uh, and, and then th- th- that bubble burst. Uh, and, and that was about, about sort of 87, I think that's, you know, it finished. Um, John went, John went off to be an actor, John Deverell, um, Brian went off to play in a, in a, uh, a covers band, um, as far as I know. 
uh, to make a living. Um, and and uh, the, the other three musicians, I think, were, were just um, hired hands. So uh, they, you know, they just, uh, you know, jumped jumped on the tiger ship um, for, for for a quick uh, a, a quick voyage, and, and then off again. Yeah. So so let, let's get back it, to. It, um... it didn't, it, Go ahead. I was going to say it didn't hurt me, or or, or it didn't it didn't particularly bother me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I didn't hate it or anything. Um, I, you know, live and let live is, is, is what I say. So, so let's look at, at the band now because, um, and I mean no disrespect, disrespect to the past vocalist. To me, Jacobo, and I hope that's how you say his name. Um, uh, I, 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 shall, I shall, well, it, it, just Jacob- to go back to our previous conversation, I shall, I shall pronounce his name for you. It's, it's, his name is Jacopo. Jacopo. Okay, so we'll go with Jacopo. Um, to me, he is just an incredible, incredible talent. When I listen to the last um, three, four albums, that's the voice that speaks to me. And it, it doesn't mean that Spellbound is not great, and it doesn't mean that you know um, Crazy Nights is not great, but just this guy, I don't know where you found him, but holy mackerel, he is just the real deal. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about him in a second, but... Um, Talk to me about using the name and how important it is to have a brand name. You know, why not just sort of Rob Weir and the the musical, you know, menace or you know, talk to me about getting the brand name and how important that is. Um, well, I, I think I think it's been certainly proved historically that that you know, if you have a brand and and and, and we do, uh, and you have a name. Um, and, and you're able to use it, um, then that's that's the way forward. If, of course, to get a brand, you, you have to you have you know you have to start from scratch and you have to build that brand up. So, if you know if the previous four albums had been called you know uh, Rob Weir and the you know and the whatever the magnificent or, four or, or right. <laughs> Yeah, you know, well, uh, th- then you're starting again, and and people people kind of look because I don't I I can't think of a guitar player uh, who's 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 been in a famous band and then had a side project where the side project um, has you know ha- has become massive, bigger than the band. It, it it's because people go, oh yeah, that's that, that's. It's okay, yeah, that's all right, but it's not. It's not the band, you know. Um, the Joe Perry pro- project, you know, great stuff, but it's not Aerosmith. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Do you know, uh, and and I'm trying to yeah, think of and, a guy, and, you know, uh, if, boy, Mick Jagger solo album, not the but, Rolling but, Stones, uh, Bruce Dickinson stuff. Who, yeah. who has? Uh, who's done it? I guess Paul but McCartney. But, but there's, there's Mitch. There's one person and one person only that I can think of. That had a solo career bigger than the band, and that was Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. Okay. I'll give you that, Ozzy, and uh, well, maybe maybe Dio to a certain extent. But okay. So, but talk to me about. Let, let's get back to the, to the brand and and curating it and developing it and what's it mean to you? Yeah. So the 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 the, the, the brand is very very important. Um, we've always been um, associated with with with. with um, Pictures of tigers, which is why they feature on the album covers. Um, I think that's a good thing. Like you know, Iron Maiden have their Eddie, you know, um, and and um, it, it's it's you know, Motorhead had, had you know had, had that sort of um, fantastic horned 
um, dog's head or, or, or motor head or, 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 or whatever it is. Um, so I, I think, you know, having something that, that people can focus on um, and, and kind of expect uh, is, is a good thing. Um, and um, the, the, the Tigers, thankfully, um, you know, we're, we're, we're playing to, 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 to bigger bigger audiences all the time. Um, it's, it's it's kind of, you know since it's, since I sort of started it all again in two thousand it was it's kind of like starting again almost really because we had a break of um, what from eighty seven ninety seven ninety nine a break of twelve years so it was it's it's twelve years not playing is is quite a long time for people to forget oh, yeah. and and you, you know twelve you, you're almost talking you're almost talking into the next generation so when somebody says you know, oh, have you Tigers of Pantown? They go, oh, they were they they were right back in 1980, weren't they? That's a really old band. So it's 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 been quite a difficult journey to to um, you know to to re-educate everybody out there that that you know we are current uh, and and not so much that we're back, but you know um, we've been around for 16 years now um, and um, we'd play some for the rock and roll. Yeah, and the shows are. Um, you mentioned imagery. Um, uh, let, let's look at the importance of that because I'll, I'll be perfectly frank. The first time I picked up a Kiss record is because I saw the cover of Love Gun. The first time uh, I picked up an Iron Maiden album is because of Eddie. And, and, and the same with you. The first time I picked up a, a, a Tigers of Pantang album is because I liked the look of, you know, and the, for, you know, uh, the, the, the Tigers and stuff and the new album uh, when it came out. I love that. I'm actually going to buy a T-shirt with that cover on it because it's so fantastic. Um, how important is it to, <laughs> to the music, though? Because a lot of successful bands, uh, you know, it's not just about the music. You look at Kiss and, and Metallica, it's about the logo and it's about the look. And it's How important is imagery to what you do? Um, it, it's, it, it's very important to an extent because um, although... Um, although when you, when you go to see a, a, a band with a quite an extensive live show, to, to, to put that live show on and to make it believable, you've still got to have the material underneath it, which, um, which captivates everybody and which excites everybody. If you're just playing bland songs with a lavish show, people are going to, they're going to catch you out. They're going to think, well, the show was great, but actually the, the songs were shite. Um, sorry, that, that, that's a Geordie expression. Um, so, so it, it, it's got to go hand in hand, and it's got to be, um, it's got to be thought out. Um, so it does go hand in hand. Um, and obviously, that the, the further on you are up the rock and roll ladder, it, it, you know, it is the more uh, lavish that, that you can make your show uh, and, 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 and put into it. And of course, depending on the size of venues that you play as well. Yeah, it really does. So, um, some, sometimes. Go ahead. Sometimes it, it, yeah. Sometimes it's you see we 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 don't have a particular we don't have a lavish show. You know we, we have a big backdrop, um, and and we rely on our music, um, and on our, on our um, ability to connect with the audience, um, for them afterwards. Uh, you know to want to um, maybe buy the, buy a T-shirt or buy a CD, uh, and and come to us and say, wow, that was great. Um, Rather than dazzle people with, you know, hundreds of flashpots and um, eating fire and swallowing salt and wrestling pigs and I, I, I don't know, 
you know, it's it's <laughs> um, it's, it's some, sometimes <clears throat> it, it it really is about you know good good down to earth um, music. Yeah, it really is. Now, we said we would do twenty minutes. We're at forty, so if you don't mind, I'll give you a, a few sort of rapid question topics and maybe get a couple of comments on each because i mean i could do this all day my voice though is probably not gonna be able to do it all day i'm starting to cough because of me fighting this bad cold but um historically neat records which uh, you put some singles out on and eventually accompany one of the most important sort of independent record companies in the history you know it, it it launched a lot of uh new wave of british british heavy metal bands etc what was that like for you? What did the record company mean sort of to you and to your, um, uh, not the genre, but to the, uh, the, the, the scene, I guess? The... Neat Records. Neat, Neat Records. Um, Neat Records was not um, a, a, a rock label at all. Uh, it was a, a small independent label that had two releases um, on, on single. Um, one I think was a, um, a kind of a football song and, and the other one was, a, um, like a pop song. Um, it, I won't go into the long story of, of, of how we actually got to, got to sign and got to record. Um, but, uh, we, we, we had the, the fantastic satisfaction of being the first the, um, band to record it neat and to record our type of music. Um, and give really, if, if we're talking honestly and truthfully, give Neat um, a name and a direction in um, the type of music which they became famous for yep. because they weren't on the map. Um, and indeed, we weren't on the map either. We were just playing around the Northeast. So we both helped each other. Yeah, and it really helped them because eventually they went on with Venom, Raven, Blitzkrieg. I mean, it just, it just you know, sort of the, the classic band cavalcade just comes out of that of their catalog. Um all right, rapid fire here. New wave of British heavy metal. It's been talked about quite a bit. Um, was it as as much of a scene as 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 it sort of become lore, or were you, I mean, was everybody sort of together and working? At, or just tell me a little bit about that scene and 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 being part of it. Yeah, a bit, being part of it was just it's it's a, one of those things. It's quite difficult to 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 convey um, to, to anybody. Not you know, or, or with written words, with spoken words. It's 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 a one of those awful awful um, sayings where you have to say, well, you kind of had to be there to get it, and, and you really did. It was a very very special time. Uh, it was a very exciting time. Um, although. When you are in, when you were in the middle of it in 1980, you know when I was walking down Carnaby Street um, looking for a pair of snakeskin boots, or uh, you know in '81 when John Sykes and I, were, you know, um, were having leather jackets made for us um, in in Chelsea in in London, um, you know, by an exclusive tailor. Um, it's just you didn't think of it at that time as being special, but looking back on it and being able to reflect on it. Uh, and having a little bit of hindsight, um, it, it, it was a particularly fantastic time. Everybody was, everybody was really, really friendly. Everybody was together. We used to kind of hang out at each other's gigs. So, you know, if, if um, Iron Maiden were playing, we would go and see them. Uh, if we were playing, they would come and see us. Uh, the same with Saxon, the same with Leopard. Um, it, it, it just was a really, really... And talk, it, we, we're off air before... Um, we were talking about April Wine, you know, I, I went to Richard Branson's first nightclub, uh, which is where we used to frequent quite a lot. Um, and I remember we, we were watching um, an artist 
um, and um, maybe your uh, your listeners uh, will Google this. An artist called Nash the Slash, uh, oh, and yeah. he was a uh, he was a uh, an electric violin player that played with a white um, kind of sort of face bandage face bandages. Oh, I, I remember hat. him, and he used quite well. He's funny. He used to play smoke on smoke the water on 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 violin and stuff like that. And I was stood at the bar with the guys from April Wine and the guys from UFO. Yeah, he he was. Uh, Nas, I, I remember that guy uh, quite a bit actually. He's funny. Um, uh, <laughs> well, let, let's move on here to uh, John Sykes. He, I guess, is it fair to say that he cut his teeth in in Tigers of Pantang before moving on to Finn Lizzie, Blue Murder, uh, White Snake, and all that stuff. Um, talk to me about working with him because he's sort of a, if I may use the expression, a mad genius. He's he's just one of the greatest guitarists, songwriters of that era. Um, what was it like having him in the band, working with him, and do you still talk to him? Um, okay, uh, it, it, it was he, he'd come from um, we, we held we held auditions uh, down in London, London Bridge, um, when it was decided that we should go from a four piece to a five piece. <laughs> All the bands to be two, but in, in 1980 were all five piece, um, apart from Magnum. And um, our management liked the sound of a five piece band because when when one guitar player plays a guitar solo, um, the other guitar player can play the chords behind it and fill the sound out, which is you don't get that obviously when you're a four piece. Um, so we held auditions. Um, the two very best guys in the auditions, they, they were all great, but the two very best ones were John Sykes and Steve Mann. Um, Steve Mann was in a band at the time called Liar, um, and then went, went on, of course, to join Lion's Heart and, and, and uh, uh, MSG. Did he join MSG? Steve Mann? I'm not sure. Um, uh, and um, John, John Sexton was, was, was the chosen boy. Um, he'd come from a, playing in a, uh, a covers band um, with Merv Goldsworthy from FM. Uh, he, was, he was the bass player, obviously. Uh, the band was called Street Fighter. And um, it was a very, very exciting time. He came um, came to live in Whitley Bay, uh, which is where, obviously, the, the band came from. Um, and uh, he was around at my house um, one one day to, to learn the, the Wildcat set, because uh, we were about to go out on tour. Um, and we'd, we'd been, we'd, we'd, I'd been shown in the songs, and we, we, we decided which solos we were going to play and all the rest of it. And it got to about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and he, 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 put his, he turned his guitar off, and he put it on the stand, and he said... Um, he said, I, I, "I think I've had enough now. I, I, I think I've, I, I think I've got it. No, no, where am I going?" He said, um, do, "Do you have an, a, any any new ideas?" And I said, "Well, funny you should mention that. I do." So, I, so I, I played him this riff, uh, and he said, "I like that." He says, I, "I've got this." He says, "This will go with that," um, and that's how we, that's how he wrote "Take It," and that was the very first song for the next album. So he, he was. He was, you know, very creative even then. Um, of course, you know, he was, what, six foot, six foot one, long blonde hair, incredible guitar player, good-looking lad, uh, great hit with the ladies. Um, and I, I shared a room with him for, what, a year and a half uh, around the world. Um, and just, we, we, we were, we could have been the evil twins. We were very naughty. We did some really naughty things. Um, to uh, <laughs> which we really I, I would get sued if, I, if we went into air of the bad things that we did. Um, right, right. But um, uh, yeah, so it, it, it was a great time, and, and it was very sad when. Um, and I completely understand why uh, why he left um, because obviously he thought the grass was greener 
um, which obviously it was for him, you know, on the other side of the fence because he went to audition for Ozzy um, and then didn't get that because uh, I think Jakey, Jakey got that um, and he went off to to record a single in, in Dublin um, and the band next door and the studio next door was Thin Lizzy and uh, that's how that's, that all happened. So, uh, lovely, lovely, lovely fella. The last time I spoke to John was about... Ooh, about about eight years ago, I guess, probably seven or eight years ago, we were playing. We, we were playing Hard Rock Hell. Uh, they were headlining on the Friday, and we were playing on the Saturday. So we went down on the Friday night, and I, and I went to see him. How how much fun would it be if he if he came and did a guest spot on the next album? I think that would be fantastic. I mean, because he's he's been talking since 2013 about doing new music and just nothing, and it's it's too bad. You know? It is uh, absolutely, and uh, we've we've talked about it within the band uh, and, and with our manager, um, and the, the door is always open for, for you know for, for John to come um, and, and and jam with us or or, or records you know uh, a guitar solo. Um, it, it's the, the option is always always there. Yeah, and and it would be a lot of fun, I think, for for the fans as well, not just the band. Um, Spellbound, the Absolutely. album. Oh, it would be it would be great. Um, just, just because we, you know, fans, we, we we've um, and I'll, I'll I'll say we, we've missed him from the scene. I mean, he he you know he wrote Still of the Night. He wrote Here I Go Again. He he wrote some of the biggest songs of of this kind of music. And you know, um, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Spellbound is uh, considered by many to be your crowning achievement first of all do you agree with that assessment and then let's just talk a little bit about that album and and what it's meant and and looking back on it but uh do you agree that spellbound is sort of the album for tigers of pantane um up until this new one probably yes and so, so talk to me about about its importance for you and uh, any memories of putting it together and what it's meant to you? And of course, obviously, you revisited it um, a couple of years ago on the uh, 30th anniversary Spellbound sessions that you did. Um, boy, just, just, just talk to me about those memories. And of course, Chris Tangridis was part of it. Sorry, sorry, I was a bit distracted there. Sorry, say that again. Um, I was just going to say, um, if you, if we can, just sort of talk to me about Spellbound in terms of recording process, yeah. putting it together. Uh, of course, you worked with Chris Tangredi's on it, and recently you revisited it uh, as part of the 30th anniversary Spellbound uh, Sessions uh, CD or, or EP, I guess that you put out. Um, just yeah, yeah. What, sort of, what are your memories and take, and you know, you know, let's, let's just sort of look back on it, and, and what, what do you got? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 Spellbound was we 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 wrote and recorded Spellbound uh, in Guardian Studios in a place called Pity Me, um, in County Durham, up in the northeast of England, uh, with a guy called Terry Cadigan, um, who uh, reportedly played the famous guitar solo on on the Bayou uh, by the Carpenters, um, and. Um, the, 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 that, that particular session, um, John Deverell and John Sex were, were pretty, obviously, obviously were, were pretty new. Um, would, would not long finish the songs. Um, put it onto one of these wonderful things called cassette tapes and sent it off to Chris Tangaridis for him to have a listen to, uh, um, to, to, um, to get some pr- production ideas. Uh, and a few weeks later, we all jumped in the car and drove down to London, 300 miles away, and started recording. 
the, the spellbound um, for you know for for, for real. Um, we still have uh, the the um, the original Guardian tapes, and do you know what? I think I think a couple of John Sykes guitar solos are, are even better on those demo tapes, um, which, which which he did, you know, in one take, rather than um, in the studio where you know you, you get you get several goes at it because um, the producer says, oh, I think you can do that better or do another one or um, we'll keep half of that and we'll, 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 you know, we'll see, see what else you can come up with. Um, but what, when you're recording it, uh, when we recorded it at Guardian, everything was pretty much a, a, a one take, um, you know, sort of deal. Um, and uh, some of his guitar solos are, are quite stunning um, on that. But it was, you know, we, I think we knew I think when the dust settled on the speakers and, and we'd had the final listen through to it um, at the rough mix stage before you know uh, we all left to come home and Chris was left to, to, to finish it off properly, uh, I think we all knew we had something special. And 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 listening to the that story about those uh, guitar solos, it sounds as though we need a, a new deluxe edition to, to come out. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we're 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 rapidly approaching an hour, so I'll I'll let you go. But let me let me just finish on this. the The new album, um, there's yeah. a, there's a Canadian connection. Harry Hess of the band Harem Scarum uh, had a chance to master it, and I wrote Harry and asked him yeah. about it, and so he told me that it was uh, great fun to do, and he uh, sends all his best to you. By the way, um, oh great, yeah. you know. And let me just ask you this about the new album. When you get in the studio and you make a new album, whether it's this one or the next one coming up, or was it Ambush or whatever, do you look back at the history and say, okay, we need to make another Spellbound, we need to make another Crazy Nights? Or are you at this point in your career where you have a freedom to do, we're just going to make new music, period, end of story, we don't have to worry about the fan base or the history or the name or the image or how do you sort of approach it in that sense in terms of um, respecting the musical legacy but also trying to stay fresh and relevant? Yeah, I think you've got it in your, in your, in your last statement there. Um, we, we, one thing we, we don't do is, is we don't look back and go, we must write a song like Hellbound or we must write a song like this or that. Uh, that, that that's not the way forward. That's only the way back. Um, if, if, for instance, on the new album... Um, it's had amazing reviews all over the world. And one of the tracks that they pick out um, uh, is... Um, uh, crikey. Um, one of the tracks they pick out is... Uh, Never Give In, uh, which, which is uh, um, a riff which I wrote uh, last year. Um, and I played it at, uh, we were playing in Schaffenberg in Germany, and I played it to, 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 to the band while, while they'd never heard it while we were sound checking. And Gabbard basically turned around and said, That's probably the best riff I've ever heard. Um, he said, What is it? And I said, Well, hopefully it's got to be a new Tiger song. And he went, So, so you know, and, and here it is on the album. Um, but, you know, the, the reviewers are saying it's very, very old school. It, it could have been on Spellbound. It could be. So I, I kind of know um, what is, is right for the Tigers and what is not. Um, but um, like a lot of, you know, in the 70s, when, when, when bands 
certainly in, in, in you know on top of the pops in England, if they had a hit, if they had a number one, the next single that they brought out, it could even be the next month. Oddly enough, was very similar, and you, a lot of the times you thought to yourself, "I've just heard that. That's that, that was that was nearly nearly the same." So repeating yourself for me isn't good. Um, it, you need to be doing the same the same feel, the same vein, but not the same. You know, not the same song over over and over and over again. Um, so, yeah, we, 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 we just, when we play songs uh, at rehearsals to each other, to say, this is the new Eddie's new idea, we, we, we jam them, we ask ourselves, is it Tigers? If we like them, we take it further and we develop it further. Uh, and it can be any one of us that, that can, you know, that, that can come up with an idea. Because uh, somebody has to come up with an idea, let's face it, to, to, for us to be able to work on something. Um, so, so that, that's kind of that, that's kind of how it happens. So we always respect the name. We always respect the the is, is it us? Um, you know, it, it it would be quite outrageous if we started playing a Charleston sort of thing. You know, uh, uh, from the twenties, because um, that wouldn't be Tigers. Um, people kind of when when they when they, they, they look at the album cover and and the the, the buy the product, whether it's an LP uh, or whether it's a CD, and they put it on. They kind of got a picture in the head of, of what they're expecting to hear, and as long as you're not too far away from that, and indeed if you can excite them and they, and they can rave about it, well, I think that I think then then you've you've succeeded. Absolutely, and of course, your guitar sound is is very much um, part of what makes the Tigers tick, right? I mean, you, you've got that signature sort of Tiger sound. Um, we didn't cover why uh, Jacopo or how he joined the band. So uh, we'll, we'll get a quick comment on that. And uh, just the band members now, is this sort of the band moving forward? Because you have had a few lineup changes, if, if I may make that sort of understatement. Um, is this sort of it Absolutely. now? You want to move forward with these guys? These, these are the four guys that are going to keep th- this thing alive? Absolutely. The, the, the band has never been stronger. It's never been um, healthier um, in terms of, of ability. Um, Crikey, you know, I'm having to keep up with these boys. Uh, you know, <laughs> being the old boy in the band, um, uh, particularly with uh, with Mickey Crystal, um, the the, latest the, the other Tigers guitar yeah. player. Yeah, his guitar playing is just um, well. Let's coin phrase: it's just electric. It is absolutely tremendous. He's just been hired. Actually, he's just been hired. Um, been been there and done it. Um, to do a few shows with um, Ron Fowle, Bumblefoot, um, oh, wow. as, as his as his sidekick, as his sidekick guitar player in in, in the UK. So um, people are really starting to notice him. There's, there's nothing that that can't play. He's, he is he is tremendous. Do, do you do you see a day? Uh, sorry, I was going to say, do you see a day though where you might step out? of the Tigers and let these guys continue or that's just not going to happen? It's, it's your band and... No, no, no. I, 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 I don't think it would be the Tigers if... if I, 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 um, that's a very difficult one. I don't think it would be... The, it's a bit like Mick Jones not playing in Foreigner. Right. I, I don't think it would be the Tigers. And I think, I think the boys would feel... We've talked about this uh, and I think the boys, the, the boys I know wouldn't continue on as the Tigers. I think we'd feel very uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, and, and so quickly, uh, Jacopo... Um, Honestly, one of my favorite singers. One, I've always been attracted to bands through voices. I like Steven Tyler. I like Steven Piercy. I like Joe Elliott. I mean, I, I like voices that are unique and different. 
And to me, he's got one of those unique and different voices. So um, where'd you find him? Um, when uh, when, when uh, the singer before uh, Jack um, uh, left the band, uh, we, uh, we um, rather than just rather than just uh, looking in, in the UK, uh, we decided to go kind of, you know, global. Um, and I think it was a, a, I'm going to tell this story wrong. I always ask Jack to tell this story when, when Jack and I get interviewed together. I think it was a Swiss um, um, musical talent agency um, had him on their books and um, said to our management, um, why don't you try this guy? He's, he's you know, he's, he's pretty good. He's in, a, he's in an Italian band, uh, lives in Italy, lives in Florence. Um, you know, if, if distance is, is not a problem, why don't you try him? So we contacted him. Um, it, it turns out that, that he was a huge Tigers fan because um, he's 10 years younger than I am. Um, so, it, it, you know, it, it, back in the heyday, he, he had the records and, 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 and was a genuine fan. Um, and uh, we flew him across from Italy to uh, to the northeast of England, uh, set up a rehearsal, um, and he sang, I think Take It was, actually Take It was the first song that he sang. Um, and he, he had his back to us, um, and after about 40 seconds, I put my hand up uh, to, to, to stop the audition. And he kind of turned around, and there was that sort of half-panicked look in his eyes, as if, you know, he'd done something wrong. And I said, Jack, if, if, if you want the gig, mate, you're in. Uh, I think I can speak for all of us, you know. And I, and I said, and none of us have actually spoken about you. We've just listened for the last 40 seconds, that's it. Uh, and that was it, and that was 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'm not surprised you had that reaction, because I have to say, I, I put on the albums... And I heard his voice, and I just went, "Yeah, that's it. I'm in. I, I don't care about the I don't care about the song titles or the guitar playing. No offense. I don't care about the the, the voice. Is it? I'm in. So, and then I bought everything. So, good on you. <laughs> good on you for picking him. Um, you know, let let, yeah. let let's hope you keep him because I really think that he brings the proper energy and vibe to the new material, and he does justice to the old material. So, you know, what a talent. What a talent. Uh, he, 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 He's not, he's not going anywhere. He, sh- he shares a room with me when we're on tour, so um, he's, he's not going anywhere, don't you worry. I'll, I'll lock the door. <laughs> That's great. Um, you know, thank you for, for taking all this time. I mean, I could have gone on forever and ever. I had all kinds of other questions about Wildcat, The Cage, Crazy Nights, the, I mean, the whole thing. But we've done an hour. We had said 20 minutes or so. So uh, thank you for, for being patient with, with all this nonsense. And uh, let's get you over to Canada soon. That, that I think, is, is, is my goal for 2017. That, that that would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I've, I've I've passed the the uh, the information that you've given me on to uh, Ludi, uh, our Dutch agent, uh, and as far as I know, he's um, contacting the the venues um, and uh, and and the, uh, the the festival sounds. If we could get the see, really would need the festival and then put the two shows in either you know kind of either side. Yeah, that that would be the best, and that that's sort of the way to do it, right? It's it's either to get it on on one yeah. of these, you know, rock cruises that leaves Miami, and then when you 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 dock, you sort of work your way up the East Coast, or you get onto a festival, and then from there you you spread out and do a few club shows. That that's that's sort of the way to do it in 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 this day and age, and and I will do my best to make sure that 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 happens because um, you know I think I think fans over here need to see it. You know, uh, years ago. Um, I had suggested Diamond Head to uh, to a festival. They brought him over, and the band right now is on a very successful North American tour. So let's let's hope we can repeat that history and and you know make it the uh, Tigers of Pantang success story over here. That that would be 
phenomenal for all. That'll be great. Yes, I actually spoke to Brian um, just just before they the, the, the came out um, j- just to quiz him on, on, on you know how he'd done it and you know uh, visas and all that kind of stuff uh, and and uh, he he told me who they used and and, and what they did. So uh, any 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 more anybody else any other clubs any any other any festival that you can think about? Um, please please keep in contact uh, and, and I'll uh, you know uh, we'll we'll talk to each other regularly and, and see whether we can uh, sort this out. Yeah, it, it it's doable. It, it's 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 a mission to do. Anyway, um, congratulations on the new album for, for folks who haven't picked it up. It came out in October of uh, this year, 2016. It is simply called Tigers of Pantang, and uh, it's available on iTunes, Amazon, uh, uh, what's that, Spotify, and everywhere else. Uh, take, take a half hour to, to, to get into it, and uh, you'll, you'll, you'll thank me later. There you go. Thank you, Rob. Great pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. All the very best. All the very best to your as well. Cheers. Bye-bye now. Thanks. Bye-bye. And there you have it, folks. My exhaustive interview with Tigers of Pantang guitarist Rob Weir. The new album is simply called Tigers of Pantang, and I kid you not, it is by far one of the best albums of 2016. Do yourself a favor. Check that out on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your music. While checking stuff out, please head over to PayPal and support the podcast. It is paypal.me forward slash Mitch Lafon. I'm also on Twitter at Mitch Lafon, Instagram at Mitch underscore Lafon, and one-on-one Mitch Lafon on Facebook. And with that, I bid you a very, very fond farewell. Until next time, bye for now. Oh, my. <laughs>